0: Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. This week on the nonprofit news feed, well, we're talking about the the news that keeps coming out about the earthquake and the uh, disaster inside of Turkey and Syria, with a death toll currently surpassing thirty three thousand as we record this. Uh, Nick, how's it going?
1: It's going good, George. But to your point, we do want to start off at the top with, of course, the devastating news of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. So last week, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake rocked um, eastern Turkey and northwest northern Syria uh, in a region already at the center of the world's most pressing humanitarian crises. So as of writing, the Associated Press is reporting a death toll of 33,000 um And that comes on top of the fact that this earthquake took place in a region already torn apart by war, particularly in Syria, conflict, economic crises, and of course, a refugee crisis as the Syrian civil war has left much of northwest Syria without a functioning government. Uh, The area is instead controlled by militias, rebel factions, and other groups, including Turkish and Kurdish forces. So this on the ground reality has made moving aid and emergency response resources across the border extremely difficult. Uh, In some areas, NGOs and aid groups are the only form of search and rescue and disaster response available. Uh, The region was also facing winter storm conditions with freezing temperatures and the infrastructure in the region, particularly in Syria, was already haphazard infrastructure as you know you have like emergency tents and refugee camps set up for people fleeing the literal violent war in the region across the border in turkey the erdogan government's response has been seen as lackluster as the death toll rises lots of questions about contractors and buildings that were supposedly earthquake proof apparently not earthquake proof Uh, But experts warn that the region will need substantial long-term and ongoing aid and resources beyond that of the typical natural disasters, mostly because the area was already one of the most dire and pressing humanitarian on Earth. So we linked uh, in the news feed to opportunities for folks to donate through Relief efforts run by organizations like AmeriCares. There's lots of great on the ground organizations in Syria and Turkey as well. But this is kind of the ultimate worst case scenario for disaster response. Sadly, it's like, you know, Haiti being rocked by an earthquake. It's people already, some of the most vulnerable populations on earth, particularly those in Syria, getting hit with this natural disaster. This is going to take substantial. International commitment to long-term rebuilding, and it's extremely complicated because the political situation inside of Syria is that a lot of these people um, that were most impacted are in areas uh, in Idlib province, for example, in which there's real there's no real government structure. So, Jordan, most of our listeners are probably work at uh, domestic nonprofits in the United States. Maybe some folks who work at more international facing NGOs. But this story is kind of too big not to talk about. We also wanted to highlight just the role of NGOs and nonprofits playing in and getting folks the help
0: they need just because of the lack of government response, really, particularly in Syria. Thanks for that summary, Nick. I know it's a lot to cover and this death toll is continuing to rise and seeing estimates of some reports saying this could potentially surpass 50,000 a couple of narratives to pull out. One is, yes, the immediate response, I think, by U.S. nonprofits and disaster relief organizations has been awesome. You know, We've been posting about it. Groups like uh, Global Giving and uh, Care and AmeriCares are all sort of very quick to pull together these fundraising campaigns. And, and the truth is I'm already seeing in Google Trends decreased search In uh, in attention for this, and as that attention wanes, so to do those initial donations. But the the repair, in terms of recovery, numbers are, are staggering. You know, I don't even know how folks even bother to put billions of dollars in an estimate for the amount of devastation that is still being calculated. So that's sort of one narrative where the U.S. and U.S. nonprofits are incredibly fast and incredibly generous when it comes to this type of disaster relief in, in areas of Syria and Turkey. And as you mentioned, uh, many, of, many of the people are pretty much dependent on nonprofits in terms of this disaster recovery work right now, as it stands, as governments try to reach, reach the capacity needed by their citizens. The other narrative that I'm starting to see, and I think we will start to see, as reported by NPR, is a couple of videos of Erdogan doing sort of press junkets in 2019, claiming that they had solved the problem of hundreds of thousands of citizens in these areas by creating zoning amnesties an amnesty for building developers that are able to essentially get around requirements for earthquake proof and shock absorption protocols. Perfect standards for building and if you do that at the scale of hundreds of thousands and you don't have design features to absorb the shock of earthquakes uh, if you're wondering how these types of death tolls go this high for, for an earthquake yes this is a very very high magnitude earthquake but we're going to see a, a disproportionate amount of the population impacted and i think a lot of roads lead back to that type of political decision which happened how many years ago, right? Four years now we're talking about, but it's also something that I think is important for filing away in the way that international NGOs, maybe and even domestic NGOs, pay attention to policy designed to protect our citizens in what we eat (laughs) and and where we sleep, our shelter, because these things matter and matter at at a devastating size and scale. So I hope that that narrative, because what's challenging this, and Erdogan is certainly making point of this, is villainizing the building developers. Here are the criminals that built these buildings versus here is the policy of amnesty given to hundreds of thousands of units. Those two things will be competing.
1: Yeah, George, I think you're exactly right. And this isn't a politics podcast, right? But there's we accidentally we get, get there. Political we get, pretty get there pretty close. But there's, you know, uh, in theory, an election uh, soon to be happening in Turkey. Of course, Erdogan is, uh, you know, there's always the potential that that uh, election doesn't happen in 100% fairness. But uh, those ramifications are the type of situations that nonprofits are and NGOs are dealing with daily, right? So even with aid response in Syria because of the political situation on the ground, the ability to move aid in and out of particular regions is so logistically challenging because aid groups are being restricted in their movements. And back on the Turkey side of it, there are some international aid groups that were providing aid in Syria based out of Turkey um, that had their buildings damaged. So now these aid groups are, are physically facing the same challenges as the people that they are serving. So this cuts a lot of different ways. And I think you bring up some really good, important, uh, important points there. It's honestly, it's, it's really devastating. I, I heard on a podcast, uh, one uh, aid worker in, in Turkey describing how a lot of the victims are of the earthquake were victims of the Syrian civil war, which is kind of one unimaginable trauma placed on top of another, and you have kind of crisis within crisis here. So again, kind of understating, or highlighting rather, the importance of long-term sustainable rebuilding. This is quite frankly devastation on extreme scale. This is going to need to be an ongoing rebuilding process. And it's going to take governments looking inward and think, figuring out what they did wrong to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, so we'll continue to follow this story on the podcast. As George alludes to, we often when we look at disasters or humanitarian emergencies, we pay attention to attention and and how much attention certain crises Are getting or not getting and every time we do this it seems that that attention span gets a little bit smaller sadly so something we'll keep an eye on as well
0: it's such a huge topic and hard to move around but actually one of the things that you know if we're talking about attention is that you have to hope in a weird way for a slow news cycle where no major events are happening and honestly the fact that the super bowl was just yesterday means that a lot of oxygen in terms of media attention narratives and our ability to focus on, you know, one small thing at a time uh, shifted quite a bit. But on that topic, you know, I, we do pay attention to that because it was one of the most, you know, widely watched events <laughs> when we're talking about attention in the country. And there were some nonprofit narratives that I actually wanted to peel out. So maybe you could walk out walk us through some of those. Yeah,
1: George, you're exactly right. So, one's where we wanted to talk about, and this comes from the Kansas City Star, was about a Super Bowl ad promoting Christianity uh, having ties to certain nonprofits that are actually uh, providing money and funds to legal legal funds that are advocating for policies as well as anti LGBTQ plus rights policies. So if anyone was watching the Super Bowl and they saw an ad for Jesus, that was actually uh, run by an organization as part of a campaign called He Gets Us. And the first spot was shown at the end of uh, the first quarter. um, And it had the tagline, whatever you are facing, Jesus faced faced it also. Um, But the campaign was a subsidiary of the Servant Foundation, which has given tens of millions of dollars to the conservative Christian legal group called Alliance Defending Freedom. And that is the group that has uh, engaged in lawsuits over abortion access, some really high profile fights over you know, vendors and, and bakers baking cakes for LGBTQ plus folks. I mean, we know this stuff happens, right, but it's kind of disarming to know that These are the same people that are granting spots on essentially uh, the most important cultural televised event of the year. George, what what do we make of this?
0: I think nothing erodes your message, especially when you're trying to be authentic. Nothing erodes your message faster than hypocrisy. And I think hypocrisy was on full display if the narrative of this is that despite all of the strife and anger, Jesus gets us and turn to Jesus, unless you happen to be in the LGBTQ community, or unless you happen to be a woman interested in the rights to your own body. Unless those are the cases, he gets us. Us is a weird term, and it's it's hypocritical, and it actually, that's why it hits a third rail. Humans get disproportionately angry at injustice and in this case i would say the the net effect of this i'd be surprised if it were if it were positive in terms of trying to expand the base of those subscribing to this brand of christianity which as we've covered on this podcast before and according to pew research is on a a multi-decade decline and so I understand this sort of how do we make a Hail Mary pass, pun intended, to try to, <laughs> Nick doesn't like it. It was, come on, it's good. To try to resolve these fundamental problems at the core of uh, asking people to forgive each other unless they belong to certain groups, uh, and in which case, good luck.
1: Yeah, George, I think that's exactly right. Uh, I wonder how many people were Googling, trying to figure out, wait, who just ran an ad for Jesus on the television? And uh, the more they find out about it, you know, no guarantee they those people enjoy what they're reading. Um, So as a very expensive way to uh, garner a lot of attention, a lot of it probably negative, right? We're
0: reading about this now in the news. So it doesn't mix well when it's public knowledge that 30 seconds of exposure costs roughly $7 million. And so it doesn't, again, other things that seem to trigger the humans are waste in the face of charity. Yeah, I think that's a a great point. Those are expensive ad
1: spots. And taking us to our next story, actually, speaking of expensive ad spots. This one comes, this is a little bit of a more complicated story, but there was a Pat Tillman Super Bowl segment. Oh, so a Super Bowl segment in coordination with the NFL, you know, it was part of their official production, honoring player Pat Tillman as a hero for joining the military. But on Twitter, people pretty quickly pointed out that Pat Tillman, which to be fair, does have a foundation and the, the the Pat Tillman Foundation honored four scholars who served as honorary coin toss captains ahead of the, the game and we saw them on the field. It turns out that Tillman, who played safety for the Arizona Cardinals, left his NFL career to enlist in the military in 2002, just, a, just several months after the events of 9-11. But the criticism comes because the segment introduced Tillman as a man who, quote, died in the line of duty, portraying him as a hero for giving his life to serve his country. Um, but what the ad did not say, that actually Tillman was killed by a friendly fire accident shortly after, quote, telling a friend the invasion of rock was so bleep illegal. And, uh, you know, that's now verging on conspiracy things. But the the, the long story short is that some people feel that Tillman's story has been misrepresented, at best misappropriated at worst, and that uh Tillman himself was not exactly a fan of of the the military and and people kind of found it a little a little bit of hypocrisy there that this was run in service of promotion of the military so George, kind of another weird narrative around an ad uh kind of appropriating. Uh, language and imagery of, in, in the last case, Jesus and this one, Pat Tillman.
0: What, what do we make of this? You know, as I do some research about it, it's it's been clear in the past that the US military has paid upwards of $10 million to the NFL for patriotism, latent performances and integrations and narratives. Uh, and that, that's not a secret, whether or not that is occurring in 2023 is unclear, but it was very clear that they were talking about how Pat Tillman was killed, and this is verified by friendly fire. Uh, It was not necessarily verified or made clear that he had made statements that he was not in favor of this invasion that he was a part of, as it became more and more clear uh, about what drove us to invade another country. Uh, In the light of 9-11, certainly there was confusion, but I'd say you know 20 years later, people picked up on rewriting history and using this narrative to sell the military and to use Telman's name and maybe in a way that wasn't fully in line with what the facts were. And again, uh, the internet picked this up pretty quickly. And I think this is important as a nonprofit that may work with celebrities that may work with founders that have become, you know, deified for lack of a better term in terms of how, how you use their name, their likeness and what they stood for, what they stand for it matters quite a bit and, and people will pick up on it. And and so again, you know, trying to toe and be honest to authenticity of, of the message and what you're saying. It's uh, it's another one of those where it definitely uh, got, got caught up definitely in the Twitterverse and it, is an interesting example for for nonprofits to consider how their message when they're putting out there is received. Yeah, I think that's,
1: that's a fair analysis. And it was interesting to play to see this play out in real time from folks who might have even known Tillman back in uh, the military, uh, kind of talking about this publicly on on platforms like Twitter. So I think uh, an interesting perspective there pivoting a little bit. Rihanna killed it, right? Like, Oh, like that! Like that was the highlight. Right?
0: Hey, Rihanna, first Super Bowl performer to perform pregnant perform performing while pregnant. I didn't pregnant. realize she did it. Baby bump. She
1: did it Good like a hundred feet in the in the sky. Yeah, <laughs> she was tethered to that thing, but that's uh that's up there.
0: It's very impressive.
1: Very impressive. The amount of man, the amount of uh, you know, global chart topping songs it's almost like oh yeah and every time there's another one it's like oh yeah that's also Rihanna Rihanna. yeah it's impressive it's impressive Rihanna is impressive but what's less impressive is this story from the San Francisco Chronicle which highlights a lawsuit which alleges that the head of a troubled homeless provider spent funds on a lavish lifestyle so A 28-page lawsuit was filed against United Council of Human Services and its chief executive, Gwendolyn Westbrook, uh, was filed earlier in the week in San Francisco Superior Court. Um, And essentially, it alleges that UCHS misappropriated funds. It seems like Westbrook Westbrook, uh, gave herself a salary raise and a lot of the city's uh, homelessness department contracts with UCHS were in the millions of dollars. So uh, tens of millions of dollars in, in kind of public money was was given to this nonprofit, which focuses on homeless service in the uh, in the area. Obviously, just misappropriation of funds. There's kind of like a long list of, of damages and it's kind of complicated. But again, this falls under the category of uh, non, not all nonprofits are doing good, or if they are doing good, they are misappropriated for someone else's perception of good, which may in fact not be good. And it is important for all your stakeholders to have a visibility and to ensure that this does not happen.
0: Yeah, and I just want to separate here a little bit that it's not just that Westbrook gave herself a uh, a raise or it was you know compensation problem. This is even 28 pages, including not limited to the question of whether or not they were actually selling or subselling real estate when in fact they weren't able to do that or it wasn't appropriate to be taking money from the people that they were serving. It all comes back to a question of oversight in a city like San Francisco, which I'm pretty sure, based on recent tax records, has the highest per capita expenditure per citizen for this type of support and taxation to help uh, underserved populations. Uh, and it comes down to the fact that the government isn't doing it directly. The government must pay nonprofits as providers to perform a service, and that service needs oversight.
1: Absolutely, something that we are not going to overlook this week is that uh, today is Valentine's Day, February fourteenth, and. We wanted to highlight a nonprofit organization called The Valentine Project. This comes from TheValentineProject.org, where they're there putting the love in, back in Valentine's Day by sponsoring uh, from birth to 21 years of age whose lives have been affected by cancer or chronic illness. So the volunteer-driven organization sends one-of-a-kind valentines filled with love, hope, and joy across many miles to kids in California, Kentucky, and Ohio. Valentine Project was founded by siblings Gregory and Michaela to cultivate compassion for these children. So check them out. Uh, This is really uh, a cool, cool project. And happy Valentine's Day to our listeners. And uh, Valentine's Day, by the way, is a great marketing hook. Uh, Check out wholewhale.com for resources on uh, Valentine's Day marketing
0: ideas for your nonprofit. Also, a quick shout out. We had a little bit of whole whale well news as well that we are now official partners with Nonprofitist, nonprofit.ist. So if you start to see them pop up a little bit more across our site, across our emails, it's because we are very excited to be working closely with their team. Nonprofitist has an expert network of vetted Nonprofit professionals ready to do a range of services from legal accounting, board development, coaching, marketing, communications, a little bit of ad grant. Why not web dev? And so we recommend for organizations looking for uh, smaller organizations, freelancers, consultants to, to pick up some of that capacity need in your organization to take a look at nonprofitist, nonprofit.ist. And finally, Nick. I have a question for you. All right, tell me about that. <laughs> Will February March for Dimes? I I don't know. Will it? No. But April May. Oh boy. Get it because February March April May they're they're months in the order. They are months. You can make a joke out of. It, mm. You can you can make a joke joke out of it. All right, Nick. We'll leave him with that. Thanks, Thank George. You.